Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. Our purpose is to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're working our way through 1 Timothy in our current series, Behave Yourself. Now let's jump in and hear what Kurt has to say. And welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth, starting a brand new chapter that's always exciting. And I love this chapter, especially because I am a pastor, and this is a classic chapter in the Bible to talk about the qualifications of a pastor here called a bishop, and we'll talk a little bit about the uh, why, why that term is used and, and what are some of the other terms uh, that help us to understand the, the pastoral office uh, in uh, today's church. Look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, where the Bible says, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. So, uh, John, obviously, the Apostle Paul has a burden for Ephesus. He has a burden for a strong gospel and doctrinal witness in that city. Timothy is is the guy. He's the guy that's been left there. He's the one that is dealing with false teachers but on the positive side, he's also one that needs to recognize you know, who are the who are the ones in whose life God is working, who are the potential elders and bishops of other congregations, and very practically, uh, the Apostle Paul gives him a list of criteria to to look for. Yeah, these are great criteria that Paul wants Timothy to keep in mind. Because as you referenced a moment ago, you know, Paul left Timothy there. Yes, Timothy is a pastor in that area, but Timothy also will be instrumental in developing other leaders and putting them in the leadership positions and, you know, other churches that they would have had in that area. And so it is very important that Timothy keep in mind, you know, what are the qualifications of a pastor? What does a man need to be like if he's going to be a leader in the church of God? The parallel book to 1 Timothy is the book of Titus. In both books, we have a protege of the Apostle Paul. In both books, we have a man with whom the Apostle Paul began the current ministry with them. In both books, the men have been left in their respective locations, Timothy in Ephesus and Titus in Crete. And in both books, uh, Paul writes them and among other things says, hey, here are some qualifications of the kinds of leaders that you ought to be developing and installing in local churches. So very, very similar books they are. And here in chapter three, there's a couple terms I want us to really understand. So the Bible, first of all, talks about man, a man desiring the office of a bishop. So sometimes in the Bible, you see that term bishop that would refer to the pastoral office. As a matter of fact, there really are three words that you want to keep in mind when it comes to the office that—think about your own pastor, that your own pastor occupies in a local church. And the three terms are, obviously, number one, pastor, and the word pastor means the shepherd. Uh, Then the other word is the word bishop that we see here. The word bishop comes from the the Greek word episkopos, which breaks down epi— the prefix means around, 
And then skopos means to see or to see over, to see around. So the overseer is the bishop. And then the third word is the word elder and the presbyteros, the, the um, we would say today that the wise counselor, the, the mature believer who can come alongside. So I think, John, first of all, speak to these terms and are they to be viewed separately? I mean, obviously, they're to be viewed separately, but in what way do they refer to the same person, different people? I know there's a debate about this. It is interesting, Pastor. We go to First Peter chapter 5, how that Peter addresses the elders. Uh, and it's interesting, in that context, he uses all three of these ideas that relate to one individual. And so, you know, we, we know that some denominations, some people try to parse these out differently. But what we see in First Peter five, what we see Peter as he talk, what we see as Paul talks about what a pastor does, they really are all things that a pastor, a man who's leading a church, is given by God the ability to do these things so that he can faithfully fulfill being an under shepherd of Jesus Christ. It certainly seems that the words are used interchangeably. For instance, you see, bishop is the term here in First Timothy three. Elder is the term in Titus 1. The passage that you referenced, 1 Peter 5, the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. So he speaks to them as elders. Then he said, feed the flock of God which is among you. So that's shepherding. And then he said, taking the oversight thereof, that's bishoping. And the same, you see the same interplay among those terms in Acts 20. When Paul met with the Ephesian elders and talked about their oversight and uh, talked about their um, feeding the flock. So uh, s- similar. The point is that if a man desires that, if there's a desire in a man's heart to lead in that way, then that desire, a desire doesn't necessarily constitute a call to do something, but I think it's a good clue along the way. One thing we, as we think about all these ideas, Pastor, people like to sometimes separate them out because they want to have some kind of hierarchical structure in church government. But really what we find in the Word of God is churches are a local body of believers who are congregationally, you know, they're run by congregations. They're not under some hierarchy. And so I think the, when we understand how the churches operate in the New Testament, it helps us understand that these three different offices, these three different terms, all apply to the same individual who's fulfilling that role in the church of Jesus Christ. Good point. So a man desires the office of a bishop. The Bible says when he does so desire that office, he's desiring a good work. And I find it very interesting that Paul characterizes the ministry as a good work. And I see really two applications there. First of all, the ministry is work. And we find that throughout the Word of God, the, the study to show thyself approved unto God a workman, uh, they, they that labor in the Word. So there, there ought to be a, a work ethic that ministers of the Word of God have. But then uh, just the, the term good work. And a good work is a work that is wrought for the Lord by faith. So faith, God has, uh, we're, saved, we're, we're not saved by works, but we're saved unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And 2 Timothy chapter 3 tells us that the scripture has been inspired for practical purposes that the man of God may be 
perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. It is interesting. You already mentioned some of the references, how many times that God in the New Testament emphasizes how that believers are to be people who are doing good works that bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ and bring honor and glory to God the Father. And it is very telling that God does talk about the work of a pastor. You know, a pastor is not somebody who just works on Sunday. And I heard people laugh about that sometimes. But people who think that have a poor conception of what actually pastoral work consists of, it really is something that does take a lot of diligence. And Paul is commending Timothy here, the person that desires that, it is something that is doing the good work of Jesus Christ. Sometimes if we're not careful, we'll almost denigrate work. We'll talk about, well, you know, it, it, it's God does the work and, and we're human beings, not human doings. And, and there's been a whole movement of people that's, that have de-emphasized work. No, the point is work is, should be the expression of and the obvious indication of a bona fide faith. Faith without works is dead. So it's not that we work to please God. It's that we work because we do have pleased God because we are accepted of God and we work as an outflow of our love for and our faith in Jesus Christ. It is, again, it is helpful for us believers to remember that time and again throughout the Word of God, God reminds us about our good works. It's something that we ought to be aware of every day that as believers, you know, God has called us. I think in Ephesians 2.10, God has foreordained things that we are supposed to be doing for him. God wants us to be involved. Part and parcel of Christianity is being a person known for doing good works for God. So if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work, but it's more than just wanting a title. It's understanding what is entailed in that title, what's entailed in that office. The Bible tells us exactly what that is in the following verses, verses 2 through 7. And this is a long list of, some would call it the qualifications of a bishop, the qualifications of a pastor. And it begins with the word blameless. So a bishop then must be blameless. And really the other 16, I think there's 16 others, qualifications all find context in that kind of that overarching word of blamelessness. So John, if I were to say, you know, what does it mean to be blameless? What, what is it and what is it not? You know, often after people, as they talk about this idea of blameless, of being similar to being Teflon coded, so to speak, where nothing sticks to you, where people may make accusations. And yet, because the way you live your life, you know, you're, a, you are living a life that is above board. Uh, a very practical way, I think, of Billy Graham in a very practical way in his life would not go to dinner with just a single lady, with another woman. He wanted to be a blameless in that area. And so he always had his wife, other people with him, just so there could be no accusation made that people would find suspect. And so blameless means I have to live in a way so that I, I am aware of my testimony and I'm living in a way that I can be above board and not put my place in situations that are kind of questionable or not do things, not do things that are going to cause people to question, you know, what is my heart like? How am I walking with Jesus Christ day by day? And so, and, and how am I going to say this? Yeah, so much more important when it comes to the issue of blamelessness is character than ability. So as we shall see, so as we look at the terms that help us to understand 
what a biblical bishop looks like, we, we're going to find character quality after character quality, and in the mix of all of it is only one ability. So does ability matter? Absolutely, ability matters. But if we're not careful, we make that the end-all, be-all when it comes to the pastors that we respect. Man, he can really preach, or but he really knows a lot, or he can really administrate, or he's really uh, influential as a, as a builder, uh, whatever. Yeah, and typically what we applaud in ministers that we respect are abilities, and far more important than abilities are character qualities. That's exactly true, Pastor. That's a great observation that character is what is extremely important. And it is interesting, as you mentioned this, it comes to my mind, people often talk about the abilities of people. But it is interesting when people are derogatory toward pastors, it's because of their moral failures, their lack of character, how they didn't you know, really serve Jesus Christ, how they were hypocrites, whatever they want to say. But character is a great issue. And if it is not there, it's going to come out, which is why Paul says this is important. This is what we must focus on because this is an issue that can tear the ministry apart if a man of God is not a man of great character. And the number one area of blamelessness, the Bible says, the husband of one wife. So the, the, the most important area of character, of faithfulness, the most accurate inspection point for a pastor is his marriage. And the Bible says a pastor, literally what the term means, needs to be a one woman man. Now, there, there can be arguments about, you know, can a single man pastor or can a person who has ever been divorced for any reason pastor? Um, can a person pastor after his wife has passed away? I mean, there I, I've heard every kind of exception in the room. And, and the purpose of this podcast is not to go into all of those nuances. The point here is to point out what the Bible is emphasizing, and that is a man that has a faithful relationship with his wife, a one-woman man, not a philanderer, not a, uh, a flirtatious a pastor, a pastor who has, is committed to and uh, is known for his commitment to one woman. That's a great point, Pastor, that you bring out, that it is really focused upon his relationship, if he is married, his relationship with his wife. And what, what is his thought life like? You know, is he really focused in his thoughts upon his wife? Is he having the right you know, mentality toward women in general? If a man does not have the right thoughts in this arena, it's going to come out some area. And so Paul says, Timothy, this is important because this will affect his ministry if he isn't a man who has the right perspective about women in general and about his wife particularly. If a man can't be faithful to his own bride, how is he going to be faithful to Christ's bride? And it's an argument here of lesser to greater. If he can't be faithful to one woman, how is he going to be faithful to the bride, the, the church of God that has been given to him? So it, it's, it's really a, an important point to be made. A one-woman man. Then the Bible says in verse 2, uh, he ought to be vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, and so on and so forth. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these terms. I'm going to give you maybe a one or two sentence definition for each one of them. 
maybe make one word of application and we're going to we're going to wade through every single one of them next episode. So, uh, be ready, uh, come with your thinking cap on and let's talk through these qualifications of a bishop and see if uh, these aren't a good biography of our own life because they ought to be. So I hope you have a great day today. Hope you get a lot done, whatever you need to accomplish. And we will talk to you on next episode. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If Everyday Truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.